All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 184 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, Frank Saravalli. Frank, how's your weekend? It was pretty good. I got back actually uh, on the treadmill. I, I mentioned to you before that my, my wife had asked for a treadmill for Christmas, so I tried it out this weekend and uh, almost... Yeah, almost wanted to strangle my daughter as I was doing it, but yes. Oh, she kept interrupting you? No. So she wanted to see how the treadmill worked, and uh, so she was sitting there watching me. Look, this is the first time I ran since high school, and I was doing, like, the run for one minute, walk for two kind of thing just to try and, like, get back into it. And uh, as I'm doing it, I'm taking a class. This is on, on the Peloton treadmill. And my daughter's sitting there watching me. She's like, um, excuse me, dad, uh, you're not following directions. She's running and you're walking. Why are you doing that? And like, meanwhile, I'm dying and totally out of breath. Uh, I was like, get out, get out, get out now. <laughs> well, I gotta love kids though. They, Hey, you want to, you want a rule follower, right? Come on, dad, follow the rules. She's, yeah. Well, she's she's like I'm supposed to be generally not a rule follower. So, um, Weird that she would like this, but uh, feels like the perfect time to let you know that uh, uh, this episode 184 is presented by Athletic Brewing. 
Dry January can be scary, especially in a long, dark winter. This year, it's simple. Athletic Brewing has everything you need with their lineup of craft, non-alcoholic beers delivered right to your doorstep. I'm on day nine of Dry January. That's right. It's January 9th. And just the other night, last week, I was at the Sixers game at the Wells Fargo Center, took my kids They serve athletic brewing. It was an easy way to stay dry in January with these truly game-changing non-alcoholic beers. Don't believe me? Use promo code FRANK20 for 20% off your first purchase at athleticbrewing.ca until January 31st and give dry a try. Better yet, snap a photo of you enjoying an athletic brew this dry January and tag Daily Faceoff for a chance to win a signed jersey. Athletic Brewing Company... Fit for all face-offs, fit for all times. Nice. It's good. Trying to get days. fit. I'm trying. Well, that's good, buddy. Exercise and diet. Those are the two main ones. You do that, you'll be fine. So just by sheer caloric intake, I'm down just by being dry. <laughs> well, Frank, I, I think we can say now we've officially reached the uh, the halfway point of the season. There's some teams at 41 games. There's a few under. There's actually some, like the LA Kings are at 43. They'll play their 44th uh, tonight. I don't think it's officially halfway of the NHL, but it's close enough. And when you're halfway of the season, you know there's a race in the uh, in the Pacific, and of course the uh, the wild card. Uh, you look at the uh, at the Eastern Conference. Um, the one team that looked like it, but they've kind of really maybe fallen off here a little bit, uh, the Detroit Red Wings, Frank. Uh, what, what do you make of their season? Is it kind of what we expected? You know, here they are. They're on pace for 81 points, 80 points, I think, in an 82-game season improvement, but maybe not as much as they were hoping internally. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, they were probably hoping for a little bit more. They've scuffled of late. They've lost three in a row. They sort of haven't been the model for consistency. Um, I, th- I find it really interesting just from a pure asset perspective, watching Alex Nedeljkovich in the AHL on a conditioning stint. They clearly don't want to uh, lose Magnus Helberg, who they picked up. I wonder if they're trying to game the goaltending market a little bit and see if someone needs one before deciding what to do with Helberg. Eventually, they're going to have to make a decision on that front with Nedeljkovic because he's going to have to come back from the conditioning stint. But by and large, I think what's really been most interesting is that when you look at the Atlantic division, the team that did the least among the three of Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo in the summer is the team that's further ahead at this moment. And part of that's just due to the magical season that Tage Thompson has had. But it feels like the Sabres are on a, quicker track than both Ottawa and Detroit. And I don't know that I would have thought that would have been the case. Well, Tage Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin, who had a five point night the other night and very quietly Dylan cousins, is a point of game player. And needs right, a new like deal. We'll need you, a new deal. Uh, hey, you get, you get some uh, good contributions from uh, individual players. Now you obviously you need depth and, but let's be honest, Frank, here we are. It's halfway through the year. Nobody probably even including the organization thought the Buffalo Sabres would be leading the NHL in goals and averaging over four goals per game on the road. It is mind-blowing how good their team offense has been. Yeah, and look, they're kind of squarely in the playoff chase. They're, they're They're the ninth team in search of eight spots. And they got four games in hand on the Islanders, and they're only four points back. Yeah, they're... 
they're in the mix for sure. And I would say halfway through, I think it's pretty safe to count Florida out, which is another thing I don't think we would have seen coming. Well, if you, if you look up disappointments, I, I can't see a team that's more disappointing than the Florida Panthers to, to go from the president's trophy to right. As you mentioned, Frank, what are they in 10th or 11th place right now in the, uh, well, in, in the East. And it's, um, they're, they don't look good at all. Like that, you know, the trade and Matthew Kachuk's played very well. So they're actually in just, 13th place at by points percentage by points percentage. Yikes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I guess Detroit and Ottawa have games in hand and they got, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So it's just been, uh, it's been a brutal first half. Now I look on paper and I still think this team should be able to improve. But when you get this point of the year, like they don't need a St. Louis type of 2019 resurgence in the second half, but they're going to have to be infinitely better. And I'm just, I'm not sure they can be just on a pure math basis. Like, to make up 16 points of ground over the second half is going to be really difficult to do. They need 56 points in their final 41 games just to kind of get to the traditional barrier of entry. If it's a hundred points this year, that means they need 60. It's, it, it becomes a math game and it's not looking good for Florida. I, I don't, I don't want to definitively put up the tombstone, but like we're getting pretty close to that point. And I think what that does is it really makes this deadline interesting for Florida. Could they be a surprise seller? Try to get it, try to get their first round pick back. <laughs> well, not just try to get a first round pick. They're not going to get their first round pick back, but try to oh. get a first round pick back. Yeah. Um, and really the key is to set themselves up for the summer. How can you rejig your team roster structure and and it's improperly balanced right now, skewing heavy toward the forward side to restructure your defense? You need cap space to do it. And they're going to get some with, you know, six and a half million bucks in dead cap space coming off the books in some buyouts and Patrick Hornquist. But they're going to need more than that, I think. Well, the other thing is you look at their team, Frank, there's not a lot of potential UFAs. If we think that's the best sellers market, you know, you got Radko Gudis and, and Patrick Hornquist at 5.3 million. Who's currently injured. Like, I don't, I, I don't think that's the best seller market anyway. I think the sweet spot for Florida is one of Sam Reinhardt or Sam Bennett. Yeah. It's possible, right? You get rid of, well, six, what is it? 6.5 for Reinhardt and like four and change, 4.4 or five, I think for, for, uh, for Bennett. So, yep. Sam Reinhardt, 82 points last season, 33 goals and 49 assists. Yeah. No, he's a good player, but yeah, you look at. That's still a bargain at six, five. I think even if he's producing at what he currently is right now, He's got 26 points in 41 games. It's probably below expectations. No, that's, you know, that's below, like if he's 6.5, that's only like a 52 point pace, right? So that puts him at a 5.2 if we're going a mil per point kind of thing. Yeah. I, I just think he's so much more than that. I think he's one of those guys you can pencil in for 30, 30 or close to it. Yeah. Like I see the thing is I kind of like Bennett because he's got, he's got some offense, but he's also got a little tenaciousness to his game. So he and he's now, way cheaper at four, exactly. he at four, four. 
Yeah. So, so he's got the he same, he's on track for the same production this year. And really kind of the last two years, 50 points is sort of what you're expecting from Sam Bennett, 20 yeah. to 25 goals and 50 points. Yeah. Like you look at between Hornquist and the, uh, and the buyouts, the uh, that's $10 million that Florida will it's, get. Yeah. It's, it's more than 11. They're in, so, they're, they're in a decent spot, right? Yeah. So I wonder if, do, do they just cool their jets? Right. And accept kind of it is what it is and not give up somebody to me and just say, well, we'll get some picks, but those pick like they're in their win now mode. Right. So do they just, they're not in a win now mode this season though. No, no, but they're, they're kind of like, look at Tampa Bay before they went on the run a few, you know, they missed the playoff. They didn't really blow it up. They were just like, yeah, now they had some injuries, which Florida has right. Bark off and stuff that, you know, maybe, maybe that's what they look at and say, Hey, we're getting $10 million. That's going to give us massive flexibility plus the potential, even more increase in cap. Maybe they look at it that way. I don't think they're going to blow it up, but I think when you look at their cap structure and situation this year, if Hornquist and Duclair are both healthy, if the entire team's healthy at the same time, they have to trade someone anyway. If you're going to trade someone anyway, rather than trade Duclair at his lowest value, and no one's really going to give you that much for Hornquist anyway right now, especially when you're backed up against the wall, maybe if it makes sense to just rip the Band-Aid off and trade one of those two players as it is. That's fair. Now nah, they definitely have to improve their back end. I think like, that's that's the most captain obvious statement ever because anybody just looks at their blue line and it's it's not good enough flat out. Like they they didn't replace Mackenzie Weger and you can you can if you want critique certain aspects of his game, but they didn't replace him at all. They didn't. I I don't even know that they really tried to. I don't know that they could cap wise. Yeah. I understand that, but that's a big, that's a big hole in the, and I get that offense is, is, is King now a little bit, but you, they just, they didn't even have like an internal. Usually when you trade someone, it's because you feel sometimes that, Hey, maybe we got someone internally that, and even if the internal guy isn't there yet, they think he's coming. I don't see one. There is none. No, they gotta, they gotta go out and get one. Yeah. So. You look at the West, Frank, and I have to say the uh, Seattle Kraken just continue to uh, to surprise me in uh, in how they're playing and, and how they're uh, performing on the road. It's actually the Kraken. I got them and the Sabres mixed up. It's a Kraken who are averaging four goals a game on the road right now. The Seattle Kraken in their second year of existence are averaging over four goals per game on the road. And uh, this nine city road trip that they're on, which was seven on the road, one back in Seattle, then back on the road again. You know, it started, they, they, they can't have a better start on it. They want them all. And it's, uh, it's been impressive. I will, uh, I will get, what were Seattle we saying? They crap. only needed to win a couple of these to really make it interesting. And they've kind of already done that. Yeah, we were well, saying yeah. this would be a season defining road trip. hundred percent. Yeah. If like we thought if they could go five and four, it would be good. Well, they, the wheels would have to fall off for that to happen now because they've started so well. Five, I, like I said, five and four gets them in the playoffs the whole rest of the way. You go five and four. Yeah. So, what does that for them, mean man. for Colorado, though? 
Well, Colorado still, you know, you look at them, um, what are they, two points behind Edmonton, three behind Calgary. They got three games in hand on both. I still think that, you know, Colorado, I think what it means right now is Edmonton or Calgary, you know, might be battling each other for the final wall card spot. And don't look now, but we talked about this, Frank, on the The pod. And I said, the St. Louis Blues are looking right now like the Pittsburgh Penguins do. Every time the Penguins have Crosby or Malkin or one of their key guys go out, they play better. And that's what the Blues have done right now without uh, O'Reilly and Tarasenko. It'd be such a ridiculous hockey thing to do to like have O'Reilly and Tarasenko go out and your team be better. Yeah, it is weird. I don't get it. It's the, I don't even know what it says. Like what does that mean in general about the sport that your best players are gone and your team performs better? Does everyone work harder? Does it mean that individual stars aren't that important? What does it mean? Well, I think in some cases, well, it means you have depth because it means you have players who are capable of filling more minutes, That's, right? Because not all teams do it. Other, some teams completely fall by the wayside. But And, and I do wonder sometimes, Frank, that certain teams and, and maybe even coaches, they're, they don't want to – they're like, wow, well, geez, I got to keep playing this guy even though he's struggling because he's a veteran and I'm unsure of what I have. And, and in this case now, you don't have that option. And I'm not saying that's what uh, Barube was doing per se, but I do wonder sometimes when all of a sudden players are like now Cairo and Thomas were pretty good last year. They broke through and they got paid and, and everybody kind of expected them to, to be the leaders. But sometimes it's harder maybe to be a leader, Frank, when you've got the big names and some people just naturally will be like, well, yeah, Tarasenko and O'Reilly are going to do it. And now they're not there. Yeah. I think the jury's out on that. I'd love to figure out what it means. Yeah. You saw Colorado firsthand the other night in Edmonton. By points percentage, they're actually holding down the first wild card spot. So Edmonton is technically outside of the playoffs looking in. What do you what do you make of both the Avs, who Jared Bednar has been really critical the last few weeks, and also the Oilers, where it seems like some urgency is finally setting in for hey, this team needs to get it together. Yeah, well, Colorado, that's one of those games where your superstars win the game. Like, I, I find it comical that people are are ripping on uh, the Oilers defense pair on the McKinnon goal. Go watch it again. McKinnon, the, the, the turnover happens where Edmonton has it in the O-zone. The defenseman, you, don't, you, you can't anticipate turnovers. You don't defend playing for turnovers. And McKinnon gets that puck in full flight, takes two strides, you're done. Like Cody Cece, no chance. Darnell Nurse, people can say they don't like his decision-making. He's an elite skater. There's no question. I don't think – you can't be an elite skater laterally against McKinnon with full speed. So McKinnon, that's a sick goal. Um, overtime, same thing for McCarr. Um, you know, the thing in the orders, I felt like that's another 2 nothing lead. They blowed at home. I think that's four in their last six home games. Like, Edmonton's home record's awful, and – I think they're 10, 11, and 2 now at home. They go on the road where they're 11, 6, and 1. They've been better on the road. And now they got five consecutive games against the Pacific. So, you talk about a season-defining road trip for the Kraken. This this might be one for the Oilers. Yeah, because they don't really have a long trip of the year. So, this four-gamer is, you know, like San Jose and Anaheim, those those have to be must-win games for, for Edmonton in the middle. But they've got L.A. to start, Vegas to end. And to me, you have to win at least one of those two games. If you go three and one on the road trip, 
you know what? Uh, they feel all right. Then they come home, they play Seattle when it'll be Seattle's uh, last game of that nine city trip. And, and I don't care how well they're playing. That, that's, that's a scheduling advantage that you have to take advantage of if you're Edmonton. And then we'll see where they go, Frank. But, you know, getting Evander Kane back will help them. I think he adds not only skill, but an emotional part that's missing from this team. But, you know, how close is he to coming back? You know, some people are rumbling would he come back before the All Star break? They have so much time between the All Star break and the bye week that, like, I don't know, maybe he wants to test it out. Like, he's skating, but he's actually on this road trip. Yeah. Like, the original diagnosis was three months. That's like that best case was three to four months. And that would be February 8th. People are talking Jan 25th or 28th. And like, I don't know, like I talked to a doctor and for nerve damage, Frank, the nerve repairs itself one millimeter per month. One millimeter. How do you know how much nerve damage he has? Well, that's the thing, right? But they say usually when you go right down to the bone, it's virtually impossible how they couldn't have had some, right? But you don't, yeah, obviously I don't know how much. Right. And, but even just the tendons and, and I talked to a few other physio guys who say he will come back and, and it looks good on the outside. Like if you look at Evander Kane, like the doctors nowadays, man, it's amazing. When you look at his wrist, you can't tell that it was, you know, sliced wide open and all the way down to the bone for, you know, the muscle for goodness sakes. But internally they, you know, they're concerned about if, if you try to rush it, you could re damage it easily. So that's, mm. I don't know how, you know, players are, of course, Evander Kane, he's always said, hey, I'm a quick healer. And maybe he is, but um, I just, if well, I'm the Edmonton Orders, if I'm the Edmonton Orders, Frank, there is, why would I risk him playing one game when I get essentially two extra weeks before I have to play him in a game? Like, what's the benefit? Like, you're playing, well, sh- and, and here's the, the other only re- The only reason why is because your team is scuffling. That's why. Maybe. But you're also, you're playing Columbus and Chicago in those two games. Like, my God, if you can't beat those teams without Evander Kane, you got much bigger problems. Right. Well, I mentioned season-defining, and I just looked it up. The Oilers have played the fewest games against the Pacific Division. Yes. They've only played 10. Every other team has played at least 13, some way more than that. Mm -hmm. Vegas, way more, yeah. Vegas has played 13. So... They're in a spot where you make hay against your division and you're going to be fine. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, Edmonton hasn't played San Jose yet. They play them four times. So it's not only divisional games, Frank. They play the Ducks three more times. They play, I think they play seven games against those two teams, right? That's, so that's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's the thing. So It's all Vegas. division games. It's not just against the top ones. It's also the teams below them. Yeah. So the thing is they play Vegas twice, both times they're playing Vegas. like Vegas gets them on the second half of a back to back. And, you know, it's a little bit of a scheduling thing. It's just how it works. And, um, but Edmonton has to like the last few years, they've been really good against the Pacific division. And okay, so down the stretch, that will define their season. I think. So tell me on a scale of one to 10, what do you think the level of urgency should be for the Oilers to step up and do something? I'm a belief that let's say you add one player. I don't think there's one player available in the trade market that is going to solve all the issues. I think a lot of Edmonton's issues are internal that their, their lack of consistency from their decision-making won't magically be fixed by one player. Right. Cause I look at the free agent defenseman out there. Like, I don't think 
the guys are Jacob Chikrin, Joel Edmondson, you know, go down the list, Gavrikov of defensemen available. You can bring them in. But is that one guy suddenly going to make all the other players be like, oh, I'm going to make better decisions with the puck? So to me, their puck decision and their willingness to gift goals has to be reduced. If they do that internally, the addition that plus an addition of a player will be a big add. I just think the heat is ratcheting up a bit internally. And I think they're going to... I My guess is they do something, whether it's big or small, sooner rather than later. Well, they, hey, Frank, they, they've got to do something. They're depth forwards, right? Like Warren Fogle's been a healthy scratch now two games in a row. Fine, but it can't just be Warren Fogle. There's a lot of other guys, man. Like there, there's a lot of guys that would be on uh, on the old milk box, Frank, on the milk carton right mm-hmm. now for Edmonton's depth forwards. Lots of them. Yep. Mm. So... That's where they need to uh, to improve wholeheartedly. But I'll say Colorado, once they get into Chushkin and Landeskog, and like they don't even have their second pair of defense, Bowen Byram and Manson. But I'm not sure if they'll ever get Bowen Byram back this year. But I think if, if they get their team healthy, you kidding me? Colorado. Would you trade Sam Gerard in order to make room for a second line center? Yes. I, they won the cup without Sam Gerrard last year. I think they can uh, they could have an addition on the back end, another third pairing guy. And I think Sam Gerrard would have interest around the league. But I don't think, I think Colorado needs you need a second line centerman more than you need a third pairing defender. So the only way to really go after Bo Horvat, which seems to be all the rage, is talking about Colorado and Horvat. The only really the only way to really do it and re-sign him for next year is to trade Sam Girard. Maybe not to Vancouver, maybe in a separate deal, but that seems like it's the only path forward. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. And he doesn't have any trade protection, obviously, being only 24. But that contract to me is like I think it's a really safe bet. I think Sam Girard already is a second pair guy. And at five million bucks, that's essentially market rate. Can he continue to progress and ex- and far exceed that? I think the answer is yes. Uh, yeah, how, Sam, how likely is he to exceed five million dollars in value? Is the question. Yeah, and my answer is very likely as the cap continues to increase. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I think there'll be teams that would be interested in uh, in Sam Gerard. You know, obviously the one concern is just his size as a defender, right? I, I think that's that's a valid concern, but that's the one concern. He's a competitive player. He skates well. He moves the puck incredibly well. He's very cerebral. So there's lots that you'd like about his game. I, I think there's lots you of You just hate teams. the size factor. You've mentioned it, I don't know, going back 160 episodes, you talked about well, Colorado and their D. Yeah, and, and here's, a th- here's the truth Big about the NHL. people beat up little people. Frank, here's the truth. No, here's the truth about the NHL. There's guys who can be top four defensemen on on middle to bottom teams, but not top four defensemen on contending cup teams. And so what are you saying? You think he really is a third pair guy on a good team? If you, if you want to be on a cup run team, yeah, I think you have an exceptionally deep defense if he's on your third pair. But I think if you put Sam Girard in your top four in the playoffs, I think that it just exposes your team at times. Some people don't have to agree with me, but they yeah, won the cup without him. They won the yeah. cup without him. 
right? Manson and, and, and Johnson, you know, now Eric Johnson's obviously a lot older in his career now, but like, I'll say this and, and they probably could be fine because if you have Johnson and Gerard in your third pair in Colorado, you got an exceptional defense. So I understand there's trepidation from them to want to trade him, but because like, here's the thing, they could acquire a second line center or they could do what they did last year. And you just put Miko Rant in there. Yeah, I, I, I still think he's really good, and I think that contract with that many years remaining on it is, as I like to say, it is a bargoon. But, Frank, in Colorado, though, he's playing third pair when everybody's healthy. And if That's what I'm saying. He's easily expendable for them. Yeah. I agree with you. I'm, I just asked the question, would you do it? And your answer is yes. Oh, God, yeah, 100%. I said it last year. So, okay. um, I just don't know what – I haven't looked to see what team – would be a good fit for Sam Gerard. Any team, any team lacking D. Any team well, that only has two bona fide defensemen or three bona fide defensemen yeah. on their team, like the Florida Panthers. <laughs> yes, that's a good example. There's a team. Yes. There's a bunch of them that are out there that are like that. They are like, oh, they really need help on defense. So would you make a hockey trade? Gerard straight across for, um, for Bennett or, or, uh, um, Oh, who am I? Uh, Reinhardt. Would that be a hockey trade, or is that? Would you do one for one? Do you think either GM would do one for one? Uh, I would do one for one. Yes, if I was Colorado, I'm not certain if I would for Florida, and it depends on which player. I definitely wouldn't do one for one for Bennett, but one for one for Reinhardt would be really interesting. As we right. spitball this. Yeah. Let's get to uh, Tyler Remchuk for addition of buy or sell. Got to turn your mic on, big fella. I do have to turn my mic on. Uh, we heard the Vancouver Canucks might be looking for D-men. What about just Gerard for Horvat? Why would Van- uh, you can get more than that, couldn't you, for, for Horvat? Well, then an no? interesting starting point at least, right? But. Yeah, I mean, if you're Van, though, and you're really trying to create salary cap flexibility, taking on a player with $5 bucks for that many years doesn't really help you. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. It's basically the same cap hit as Horvat currently. Yeah. yeah. It would be a wash. All right, let's get into Buy or Sell. Uh, brought to you by our new friends at Montana's. Majority of their food is smoked and prepared and grilled in-house with their certified smoke masters and grill masters program. And you can enjoy it while you're watching the game because Montana's this season is bringing back the viewing party with their daily deals. Today is Monday, so head to your local Montana's for half-price wings. Uh, you guys talked about the Avs a little bit. I think they're going to actually get really hot as they get healthy down the stretch. I'm going to say... They find a way to still get home ice advantage in round one of the playoffs. Frank, you buying or selling? So that would mean that they need to finish in second or first in the central division. Yeah. So right now they are 10 points back of Winnipeg and 11 points back of Dallas. They have two games in hand on Winnipeg. They have three games in hand on Dallas. I will sell. Bit too tough of a task. Yeah, I just think that's a lot of points to make up. Winnipeg is eleven and three against the division. I don't know. That would be the team, but I think Dallas is in pretty good shape too. Jay, that ten points in half a year—that's a lot to to make ground against two teams that haven't really shown any signs that 
you know, they're vulnerable and suddenly are going to go now one key injury. And like Winnipeg just got Nikolai Ehlers back. I, I think that makes them better. So they got four I'm, players back on Friday night. Yeah. I'm going to sell as well. I think that, uh, you know, the jets quietly, uh, had a are ton a team, of injuries, a ton of injuries, probably haven't given them the love that they're due for how well they've played despite those injuries. You know, Rick Bonus has done a great job, but let's be honest. The Jets, I think, as a team, underachieved. I think a lot of their players would admit that last year. Connor Ellibuck's played excellent this year. Josh Morrissey's having a career year. You know, it probably, you know, the morning period, I think, is a little bit better from a human element side for him, and that plays a big factor. But Rick Bonus, you can't you can't discredit what he did. He made a huge change, you know, uh, taking this, the captaincy away. And to Blake Wheeler's credit, he hasn't pouted. We haven't seen anything publicly that looks like it's been an issue. And the Jets, you know, Frank picked them to win the cup last year and it was gold. But if you were to pick Winnipeg now, people wouldn't be scoffing. They'd be like, oh, hey, you know what? The Jets, like, they got the goaltender, they got good defense, and they've been banged up. So they get those guys back. I'm not saying they're a cup favorite, but to, to suddenly give up 10 points, that, that would be a little surprise to me. Fair enough. Uh, the Jets have won five games in a row, and their next five opponents are the Wings, Sabres, Penguins, Coyotes, and Canadians. So a chance for them to maybe keep that heater going. Uh, Tom Wilson, Nicholas Backstrom, both back in the lineup for a Washington team that has just one regulation loss in their last 10 games. I'm going to call the Capitals, now that they're getting back to healthy, a stone-cold lock to make the playoffs. You buying or selling that the Caps are a lock for the playoffs. Jason? Well, so the Islanders right now are the ninth team. They're, what, six back. But they got a lot of games in hand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Frank, we were just talking earlier about, you know, teams that play better when guys are out. And, you know, will that continue now that they're back? Does the roles change? Does guys, you know, focus change? I don't know. It's too early for me to say lock because the Eastern Conference has been – you know, so up and down. I, they're in a good position, but I'm going to sell on them saying there's a lock. I, I just look at the game. They played most games in that uh, conference. Pittsburgh's four games at hand on them. There's still time for those other teams to, to maybe close the gap a bit. I can't say lock. Yeah, I agree. It's the word lock that's getting me. Um, Pittsburgh is really close on a points percentage basis because the cap, they have four games in hand. The Caps have been too mercurial for me this year to really think that anything's a lock, but their goal scoring has been quite nice. They have a pretty good goal differential. I'm I'm also, you mentioned Backstrom coming back. Like, I'd really be curious to see how effective he is because that was more or less an unprecedented surgery for an NHL player. Others have had the hip resurfacing surgery, like Ryan Kessler, but it ended his career. Backstrom is is the first player to ever have it and come back. Mm -hmm. So will he be a shell of himself or will he be the old Nick Backstrom? I think that's actually pretty critical in terms of answering the question as to whether or not they're a lock. Fair enough. Uh, Moving to the trade talk, you guys touched on it a little bit. I'm going to say we'll get our first significant trade by the end of the month and significant meaning top six forward or a top four D-man. Frankie Biner selling Mm, I'll buy. Usually it's pretty traditional to have something before February 1st, at least something to sink our teeth into. So I think there's been some increased chatter. Um, I can't guarantee that it'll be super significant, but I do think that there's a few things cooking. (laughs) 
I got to buy because I, I want to see some movement. Uh, I, I like it. I think it's good for the game. And, and, and you, this year, I think once somebody does it, it's going to get the ball rolling a little bit more. Um, the, the only reason I'm hesitant is now it shouldn't matter, but so, so teams have little cap space that for some teams, now you're in LTIR, you're in LTIR either way. So it shouldn't change it, but Historically, there's always a lot of wait and see and kind of as it gets down to the wire. So, and then there's the bye weeks and, you know, so there's the benefit to me is like, like if you have a, I would make the trade. If you think you're going to do the deal to me, it makes more sense to do it before the bye week. Cause then at least you can get a few extra days practice with that player on your team. Not only that, but you can use that bye week as a way to get your guy settled in town. Yes. You look for the apartment or house or whatever it is that you're going to be living in, get your family moved. If you have one, Take advantage of the week that you have. Yeah, that's a smart point there. Uh, let's move along to our bonus question brought to you by our friends at Points Bet Canada. And I am looking at the Central Division. You guys, We talked about Winnipeg, talked about Colorado with that first question. Our friends at Points Bet Canada have updated odds on all the divisions. Dallas sits as the clear-cut favorite to win it at plus 125. Colorado at plus 350. Minnesota plus 400 and the Jets are also at plus 400. So four to one. I love that value on the Jets. They're giving implied odds of like 25% or even less that they're going to be able to do it. What percentage chance would you give the Jets of winning the division, Jason? Well, they have the best points percentage right exactly. now. Yeah. So I was just going to say that from a, from a betting perspective. Yeah. The, the Jets make the most sense. You got, you got the higher odds. You know what? I would give the Jets right now. I give them. A, I think they're 50-50 to win that division. I think it's. I think it's very close. Frank outlined how good they've been against the division, which which could be key down the stretch. So yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go 53 percent. 53 percent. Holy smokes! Well, that was. Right I did not see that coming. Um, I will give them a 35 percent chance. All right. So still valuable at four to one. It's odds. interesting that they're not that Colorado is the second favorite. Very interesting. But I mean, public money might have a little something to do with that as well. Oh yeah, that's true. All right, there you go. That's a wrap on this week's edition of buyer sell brought to you by points, Bet Canada and Montana's. Now, uh, before we get to our uh, guest, uh, one of only eight players in American hockey league history, to uh, play a thousand games, which is pretty good accomplishment, man. That just shows you are playing for the love of the game. And, uh, and Brett Sutter, uh, who of course, uh, son Daryl Sutter is playing currently with the uh, Calgary Wranglers who have a, you know, pretty good team. They're very competitive in the AHL, uh, you know, 35 years of age, Frank, uh, we pre-taped this one with, uh, with Brett and I, and um, I have to say that it's, it's interesting when you talk to him now, like you, like when you're 35 in the NHL, that's not that old anymore because there's lots of guys in their thirties. You're 35 in the American League. It's very different, right? Like yeah, there's not well many grandpa. You know, there's that grandpa, dad. It's it's a very different uh, dynamic. So uh, we'll get into that. But one one quick one for you. We we talked about a, a lot of these teams, and the, the one team, uh, you you know, you look at the Atlantic Division. Boston's 11 up on Toronto. Toronto's eight up on Tampa. Now Tampa does have some games in hand at all, but it, it's almost like those top three seeds are kind of locked into where they're going to go. Right. Um, Not only that, but you can almost lock in the Toronto Tampa first round matchup again. Yeah. So I wonder if like, if you're Toronto, do any of your moves? Cause I think, yeah, you want to win the cup, but I think there's, they really just want to win a round. 
right? Just mentally, emotionally, everything you win around and then you never know what happens, right? Guys exhale, maybe they play better. Can you make a deal with Tampa specific in mind if you're Dubas? I don't think so. I don't think you approach it that way. And I also think it's a dangerous way to think. Then all of a sudden you go into it and you lose, then what? Yeah, that's fair. What do you think Toronto needs? Is it clear they need a defenseman? I think it's clear to me. I, I just don't see that defense core one that when you get to the playoffs, we've already seen time and time again the last number of years how much they struggle handling the forecheck, which just becomes ferocious in the playoffs. I just think they have a hard time with it. And to then take this group, it's not just as inexperienced as it is, but it's really the lack of depth that I think becomes problematic. And and I think you also should be concerned from a health perspective. Like, you know, you what if TJ Brody goes down again? You know, then what? I, I just think this is not the year to be leaving any stones unturned. That's my feeling on it. I think heading into this season, before the games were played, before the standings looked like what they did, if you had said the Toronto Maple Leafs need another defenseman, no one would have blinked at that statement. But because they've played as well as they have as a team defensively, people scoff at the notion of it. But I still think the fact remains that they've probably gotten a bit luckier this year than they probably should have. Um, And not saying they haven't earned it, but the fact that they went through that period of time with, with Riley Brody and Jake Muzzin out and played as well as they did, as we were just talking about injuries and teams playing better, it's almost inexplicable. And now their goaltending is showing a bit of signs of cracking uh, this weekend, notwithstanding, they seem to get back on track a little bit that I don't know. Like, I, 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 that's the area I'd be looking in is, is a defender. Awesome. Uh, well, let's get to uh, our guest today from the uh, Calgary Wranglers, Brett Sutton. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now we're very happy to uh, welcome to the DFO Rundown. He's one of only eight players in AHL history to have played 1,000 games. He just played his 1,000 near the end of uh, 2022. Of course, he was a sixth-round pick of the Calgary Flames back in 2005. He did play uh, 60 NHL games, but has mainly spent his pro career in the American Hockey League, which is uh, 1,000 games in any league, man, is 1,000 games. Uh, Brett Sutter joins us on the rundown. Brett, congratulations on 1,000, man. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Yeah, thanks, guys, and, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Now, I wanted to wait until the ceremony was over because it's, I think it's, you know, leading up to it, it's different. But then once you go through it all, kind of take us kind of how that was when it all sinks in. And, you know, you have it, uh, you know, with the Wranglers at on home ice and a lot of your family was there. How was the ceremony and, and how was it? And when did it kind of realize that, man, I've been around a long time? <laughs> well, I've realized I've been around a long time for a long time now, but, uh, you know, they, they made it a really special day for me. Um, you know, the whole organization, the Flames and the Wranglers as a whole, and my teammates uh, made it an awesome day. A lot of a lot of good things to remember, and it was it was incredible having lots of friends and family. Lots of people came down from Viking and and from around Calgary, so it was a it was a really special day. You know what? Uh, the ultimate goal for for kids is to play in the NHL, and, and you did reach that goal, as I mentioned. You got to play in the NHL, um, but you know you've played the more, majority of your career in the American League. And, and I think it's, you know what, obviously you still strive to want to get to the NHL, but what's, when, when is your motivation or focus, when has it changed or has it ever changed? Yeah, I think, you know, the older you get, you, you realize that, you know, your, your time kind of pushing for those opportunities is probably up. Um, you know, for me, I realized that, you know, the next best thing to the NHL was going to be to stick in the, in the AHL. And I could do that by, you know, helping other young men accomplish their dreams and, and uh, still be able to compete and, and play in, in a high, high level of hockey. So, um, you know, for me, when I started to have a young family and, and uh, you know, it was getting hard to move around every year and, and maybe push for, you know, a handful of NHL games, I thought it was probably time to just maybe settle into a different role. And, and uh, you know, it's worked out really well for me. And uh, you were with the Kings organization for a long time, from 16 through until uh, 22, and then now you joined the, uh, the the Flames organization. In that mentorship role, Brett, it, it is it's hugely important, right? Like the NHL is really hard to get to, and I, and I think as much as it's difficult to get to physically, it can be a challenge mentally in learning how to be a professional. What's kind of your message to the young guys that you've helped here the last few years? Yeah, I think you know every kid comes in and works hard now, especially with the like, development teams that, uh, you know, organizations have in place. Now everything at the rink is, you know, pretty well taken care of and they have a lot of messaging from a lot of different people. So I think it's more just the away from the ice stuff that you can help with, you know, you're, you're going to go through good times and, and bad times and, and to have older players on the team that have kind of seen everything and been through everything and, and maybe kind of have a, you know, be able to lend an ear to, um, it is huge for those guys. And it was no different than I was young. I had guys that I, you know, leaned on and looked, looked up to and taught me how to, how to work and how to have, carry myself and, and what it took to, to be a true pro and a good teammate. And, and I think that's what I just try to try to do now. 
When you uh, you know you got drafted by the Flames and you stuck with the Red Deer Rebels and then and then you turned pro in two thousand seven and eight and like most players start in the American League you know there for the first year then your next year you know you got a few games in the NHL and it's you know and that's the normal trajectory for a lot of young players you know you, very few are McDavid's who could get to go right to the NHL and then not only dominating it but. And then, you know, the next year you got into more games in the, in the NHL. How difficult was it at that, that early stage of your career when you got a little bit of a taste of it, but you never got to stay there? How, how did you handle it then? Uh, you know what? The first few years, you're just excited to get any game. Um, you know, being a, a later draft pick, a kid that, you know, grew up, I played hockey all over the place, but the majority of, you know, my higher level minor hockey was in California. So I knew I probably had a little bit of longer path to try to get there. Um, so my first few years, I was just excited to get any games at all. Um, you know, when it started to sting more is, you know, a few years, uh, you know, down the road when you started making teams out of camp and then you'd play, you know, half a season and, and not be able to stick and, and that, that stings more. And, um, you know, I think, you know, that's kind of some of those things that I've held on to now where I can kind of share those experiences and, and just, you know, tell guys not to take, you know, some of those times for granted and, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it feels like forever ago, but uh, remember like it was yesterday, some of those call-ups and send-downs. Was there one call-up or maybe one send-down that you look back on that, that stung the most as far as a send-down goes? Um, no, no, I, I wouldn't really say there's a single one. There were some times I was up on emergency and played really well. Like I remember there was times where I, you know, I, I got a couple points in a game, but being an emergency recall, as soon as somebody's healthy, you have to go down the next day, regardless. Um, some of those ones kind of, kind of make you mad, but you know, you understand that's part of the, the cap world and that's the way things work. So um, yeah, I remember there was one in Winnipeg. I think I had two assists. I called up just one game quick out in Minnesota and uh, you know, whatever played a great game. And after the game, the coach pulls me and said, you know, we'd love to keep you around, but <laughs> tough break. We've got to send you down. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah and you know and that was with the wild and i think that was your your last year that you were in the nhl in 14 15 and so that you know yeah. that in itself is a long time but yeah you know, and, the, and the reason i wanted to get you on brett is because everybody you know we interview a lot of people about the you know the, the story to the nhl and you know everybody wants to be there but playing the american league is is still a great life right like you you know you're playing pro hockey you it's fun you're like you're playing hockey but you're also helping guys you're part of a team you you talked about kind of you you realized at one point like okay maybe those call-ups aren't going to be coming anymore but what what's the motivation what keeps you loving the game now uh you know the same things that keep you loving the game when you're a kid you know I love to compete I love the camaraderie of being around my teammates every day um you know I'm still pushing to win a championship um you know you wish dream of winning a Stanley Cup ball for me now winning the American league is my Stanley cup. And that's, you know, that's what we're pushing for here in, in the Calgary organization. Um, so I think, I think you just enjoy it. You know, I get to play a, a boys game for a living and, and I still really enjoy going to the rink every day and having laughs with, with the kids and, and it's a good way of life. You know, I've made a good living for 16 years, uh, you know, supported my family and, and, and they're, they've enjoyed it. My kids are to the age now where, where they're starting to enjoy it and, coming to the games and coming into locker rooms and, and being a part of it. So that's really special too. There's not a lot of guys in their mid thirties in the AHL. There's lots in the NHL, but there's not a lot in the American league. So, you know, you're in the NHL, there's four or five, six guys in the room who maybe have kids yeah. of your same age. 
that's not the case in the AHL. Like you're, you're definitely, a, I don't know if they call you Gramps or whatever, but the, yeah. like it must be fun. But at the same time you look around, you're like, geez, like, yeah. you know, these 19 year olds, 20 year olds, we, you know, we're kind of on different pages away from the rink. Yeah. You know what? They call me dad around the rink. So I know we're getting old. I don't mind it, but my wife doesn't like being called mom. So, uh, <laughs> uh you know what? Uh, they keep you young. Uh, they keep you having fun. They still push you. They push you on the ice still to, you know, make sure you keep your game strong too. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's fun. You, know, you have lots of memories and share lots of laughs and that's what keeps you going. And you know what, like, Hey, and you're still producing, you know what, uh, you play in a, a lot of minutes. You got to, what is it? 19 points in, in 29 games. So, you know, I, I'm assuming that, you know, that Sutter competitiveness that, that runs uh, pretty strongly amongst your family is you, you probably wouldn't stay just to kind of be, you know, uh, a guy around the room. You, you're, you're staying because you're still contributing. Yeah, no, for sure. I've, I I think as long as my body's healthy and I can still contribute, I'll still play. Um, you know, when that time comes and I'm, maybe I'm an in and out of the lineup guy, that's probably that'll probably be my time to step away. But for right now, I, I still, you know, like I said, I love competing and I still think I can contribute. And, and uh, you know, whether it's on the ice or in the room, it's it's still a big part of the game and, and I'm happy to do it. For Flames fans who don't get to see a lot of young players, obviously they know about Matthew Phillips and, you know, Jacob Pelche, Connor Zari, guys who are high picks for them. What's impressed you about those guys and how do you help push them to get to their ultimate goal? You know what? They're easy guys to push because they push themselves so hard already. So you're almost just a support system for them. But, uh, you know, all three of those guys and, you know, a whole bunch of other ones, um, they, have, they have a huge motor. They have, they have a lot of competitiveness. Um, you know, it's almost friendly competition between those guys who's going to stay on the ice longest and, and work the hardest and put the most time in. And, and on top of that, they're, they're great teammates and great individuals. So, um, you know, that we have some guys in our team, that are going to have long NHL careers. And, and I know, uh, fans around here, uh, like to get impatient with guys in the minor sometimes, but, <laughs> but it's the best thing for them. You know, sometimes a few extra years of development and growth and getting stronger is good for them. So they'll be just fine. Uh, Brett, you're in a unique situation, of course, because your father, Daryl, you know, being around the NHL, like you grew up uh, probably, you know, seeing the NHL lifestyle a bit. Um, you know, the, the conversations, and I know family means a lot to, to the Sutters, those conversations you mentioned going back to those tough times. What, what was the message? Like, was Daryl able to, like, how did you balance that? Because he was such a grossly in, into the hockey, but he is also dad. How, how was that conversation? Was it beneficial or was it difficult at times? Because, you know, your dad was an NHL head coach. Um, probably a little bit of both. Uh, you know what? We've honestly tried to keep hockey kind of in, on the back burner in the family. Uh, you know, when we're together, it's, it's family. And, and I'd say his only message to me was, you know, put your head down and keep working. That's kind of all you can do. And that's probably the best message to, to say to somebody. So, um, yeah, there's, there's no really, no really time to pout when you get sent down, you know, walk into the American League room with your chin up and your chest out and be ready to work. And, you know, the quicker you get back to that is the quicker you're going to get back up. Uh, now, do you have farming aspirations? You know what? I love the farm. I love the farm. I, I unfortunately, you know, playing hockey, you don't get to spend enough time there now that, you know, with training and everything being, it's a 12 month gig now. So, uh, I try to spend as much time, my time there as I can. Uh, I just went and spent my first Christmas there and I think it was like 16 years. It was, it was awesome. Uh, first time we've all been there, which is one of the cool things about coming back and playing in Alberta. Um, but down the road, we'll have to see, we'll have to see. I don't know if, if the old man will ever, 
let anyone else take over the reins around there. <laughs> um, do you have coaching aspirations? <clears throat> um, I think I have the bug a little bit. Yeah. You know what? I try to be a one track mind and just focus on playing for now. Um, there's a lot of part, parts of the game that, that really interest me. Um, you know, I love working with players and especially young players. And that's something that I love to do, but, uh, as long as I'm part of a part of the game in some way down the road, I think I'll be happy. Now I've talked to a lot of guys who got into coaching and late in their careers, Brett, they started keeping a notepad of different drills and different things. Do you do that? I don't keep a notepad, but you know, I, I really do try to pay attention a lot and, you know, you kind of make the mental note of the ones you like and the ones you you don't like and, you know, how certain situations are handled and, and uh, you know, even with like scheduling and meetings and things you, you like and you don't like, you really try to make mental notes of that stuff. And, uh, you know, the older I've gotten, you know, and, you know, captain a lot of long time in this league. Now you get to be sitting on some of those meetings that you get to kind of see some behind the scenes stuff. And, and uh, you know, I've learned a lot from a lot of different coaches. With electronics so much, a part of society now as a captive at a team, how has communication changed when you look back to maybe your early years, uh, you know, in the American league and, and stuff with like everything, is it group texting now or like, how often do you have to ensure that you have like actual face-to-face -face conversations with teammates? Uh, you know, you try to have them as much as you can. We, we have the whole, you know, group texts, uh, group Snapchat, and we have, you know, just about every kind of group messaging you can think of, but, at the end of the day, spending time with each other outside the rink is huge. Um, you know, whether it's at home or on the road, I think both are really important. And, and we try to make sure we do that as a team at least a couple times a week. And fortunate here, we got a close group. Everyone has has a lot of fun together. But, uh, you know, the teams that have the most fun together and bond together are the ones that have success. And, and I think that holds true to, true anywhere in any sport. How is it uh, when you talk to your young, younger teammates, being an American League team in the same city, as the NHL team, right? Like, so, you know, they, maybe their coaches management, they get to watch more of the games than they would in normal. Th is that, is that beneficial? Do you think to the players because they realize, Hey, guys are watching us maybe even more intently or can, can, can that be a, a negative in a way? You know what? I've seen it uh, work in, in good ways and bad. I think it is to the benefit. Um, you know, they have the opportunity to have their eyes and their players and players know that they're there. So the pressure to, to perform is almost, you know, next best thing to the NHL. Um, at the same time, you want to feel like you're your own team because it's important to, you know, focus on winning and, and the day-to-day -day things. You don't want to have so many outside distractions coming from the big club that it's all individual. So it can work both ways as long as guys have the, the, uh, the mindset of, you know, while you're in the American League, you're on the American League team, and that's your commitment. And uh, make yourself better, make your team better, and the NHL will come after that. We talked earlier about 1,000 games, Brett, and you became, of course, the, uh, the eighth player uh, to do it. Willie Marshall's at 1,205. Fred Glover's at uh, 1,201. Uh, Brian Helmer, 1117. Uh, Harry uh, Baderni at 1071. Uh, Mike Nicoluck at 1069. Jody Gage, 1038. Rob Murray, 1018. <laughs> um, how much of the history of the AHL had you looked up as you were nearing game 1000? Uh, you know what? I've had the, the pleasure of going to uh, some of the all-star events where, you know, you get to sit in on some of the 
Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame inductions and, and meet some of the, the older players that have been around a long time. Obviously, I played against uh, uh, Helmer, uh, you know, at the end of his career for the last few years. So um, I probably don't know some of those players as, as well as I should. Um, I haven't been one to really, you know, follow how far up I'm moving on the, the all time list or anything like that. So, uh, but, you know, as a whole, I'm extremely proud to play in the American League. Um, you know, some guys feel that when their NHL time's done, it's, you know, hop over the pond and maybe go for an easier lifestyle. I don't know if that's pride or what takes them over there. But to, to me, I've never really felt that in the American League. I still think it's the, the second best thing to the NHL, and I've, I've been proud to play in this league. Did you ever consider going to Europe? Were you ever approached to go? Yeah, a few times. Um Kind of right at the end of the same time, I was thinking about, uh, you know, do I sign an AHL deal or do I, you know, keep, you know, fighting for some NHL games on on NHL deals elsewhere. Um, almost went to the KHL, but I was starting a young family and and I thought that, uh, you know, staying here and, and kind of digging my heels in the American League and maybe transitioning a bit would be better for us. Brett, we always like to end the uh, interviews with rapid fire. Uh, the only rule is you have to answer the questions. All right. We'd like to have a little fun with that. Okay. okay. So what, what, who was the, uh, who was the, the most memorable text or phone call you got uh, for uh, celebrating game 1000? Oh man. Uh, you know what? My old coach, Mike Stuthers, he was just the guy I always leaned heavily on. Uh, he's obviously assistant in Anaheim now, but yeah. he's a, uh, unbelievable guy he was a guy i leaned on a lot he taught me a lot about being a good man and a good player and a good teammate and you know he's just a all-around funny guy and just love him who's a better dancer you or your brother chris uh you know what every time i try to tell that guy he's got to work on some new moves and i'm pulling something up on youtube for him he gets mad at me so i'm gonna say him but he doesn't want any of my help either no, he, so he's his own choreographer is what you're saying. He is. He is. He does not want any help at all. <laughs> Which one of your uncles is was the most competitive at family game time? <laughs> well, all of them are pretty competitive, but I'd say uh, Richie and Dwayne, they end up fighting every time we do anything competitive. So it has to be one of those two. <laughs> Like that's such a unique situation with your cousins and you guys grew up like six brothers in the NHL. It's never going to be duplicated again. I don't think because very few families even have six kids anymore. Never mind six go there. But w did you guys ever have like, you know, Sutter pond hockey games where the, you know, the cousins and uncles, everybody's playing. Uh, you know, just being in a hockey family, usually your get togethers are in the summer. So, uh, you know, we did a lot of the outdoor sports. We, you know, played baseball at the farm or, set up a volleyball net and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, it wasn't too much hockey. You know, it was very rare that we were all home in the winter at the same time. Who is the least farm inclined in the Sutter clan? Oh, I got lots of cousins that are not farm inclined one bit. <laughs> I'm not going to start that long list in case they're watching. <laughs> but quite a few of them. Okay. Now, yeah, if... I, well, lots of them grew up in, in this, you know, in big cities and in the yeah. States all over the place, you know, following their dad's careers. So I don't, I don't blame them. A lot of them have never lived on a farm and probably don't ever plan on it. If you were going to run a farm your own and you could start it today, money wasn't an issue. What type of farm would you run and why? Uh, you know what? I just, I think uh, growing up in cattle ranch with my dad and, you know what? Uh, I'm watching Yellowstone right now, so it's it's hard not to just want to follow in the footsteps, right? So, 
grandpa's grandpa was on the home place before him and hopefully there'll be another uh uh someone after dad to follow in his footsteps as well any now i'm a farm guy so i can ask you any any breed that you would want to raise uh yeah you know what you know red simmentals red angus i don't know uncle brian's got the brian's got the blacks purebred blacks going right now so you know we'll decide when the time comes all right okay i like the hey i like the uh the red and the black angus for sure so uh it can be a little bit temperamental at times but uh overall <laughs> i like it. much easier cavers in my in my uh, experience so that's why i like them um a thousand games in the american league brett is is a massive accomplishment there's only eight guys who have ever done it do you have a more a most memorable ahl goal that you've scored um you know, I think back probably just the big ones that you score, the uh, playoff goals. I've scored a couple overtime playoff goals. Um, maybe the milestones, probably your first pro goal. Um, you know, when I hit 20, being a, a plugger like myself, that was a, a pretty special one and, and some hat tricks and stuff like that. But I think the team aspect of it always comes into place. And when uh, you score a big goal in playoffs, that's tough to top. Now, you, you, there's lots of guys who go to the NHL, and then there's lots of really skilled players for whatever reason that, that don't get there or don't stick there. Who's the most skilled player that you played with or against that you were surprised never stuck in the NHL? Ooh, uh, that's tough. Um, yeah, that's really tough. Probably going back to my Carolina days, um, Chris Terry and Zach Boychuk, they, they ripped up the American League to a pretty crazy level. Yeah. Um, both have went on to a still, you know, really good careers. They both played a good number of NHL games and Zach's went overseas. He's won championships and, and Chris is, he's like chasing, he's chasing me in games played in the American league now, but uh, yeah, both have always produced, both have always worked hard. They're great teammates. They just couldn't quite find their niche in the NHL. Who's been your biggest personal rival individually over the years in the American league? Oh, Geez, that's tough. You know, I don't really have one guy, honestly, that sticks out. I know you want me to answer this, but yeah, there's not yeah. one or two guys that you're just like, God, like you, you respect them, but you hate them at the same time. Yeah, you know what? Not really, not really. Uh, I don't think I've ever like fought the same guy more than once before or anything like that. Um, you know, I have teams that I just despise as like a, as a whole, but not really just an individual guy. Okay, which team? um playing all those years in ontario it was hard to really not like san diego and it was also really hard to to not hate stockton and now i'm playing for that's what who we became in the wranglers so i kind of switched to the enemy so uh there was a lot of guys on this team i hated and now they're my good friends so they were i guess we're all good there it's, it's unique how that works in sports right you hate guys you, and all of a sudden oh he's a pretty good guy you know, now that he's on my team i don't mind if he's sticking someone so yeah <laughs> yeah you know that's the hard part is when you when you're around a league a long time there's guys that you hate for a couple seasons but usually you kind of get to know them you know as the time passes on so then your battles are just on the ice and then you pass each other in the hallway after the game and you shake their hand but um yeah i don't have, i don't really just have one or two guys now playing against brothers or whoever it is, and you had a lot of years in Ontario. So when you play the rain, who's the one good buddy that you just love giving it to? Um, man, little Aiden Dudas. He was my little buddy when I was there. He was, you know, he's just a young guy still. I think he's only his third or fourth year in the league, but uh, he was always a character in the room. He was kind of the class clown. So it's always easy to give it to him when we're out there. Coach who had the biggest impact on your playing career either minor coach or pro 
Um, you know what? I'm going to have to go back to, to Mike Stuthers. Just uh, I spent a long time with him. Um, probably made me kind of the leader I am today, I would say. Um, early on, on the playing side of it, uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan McGill and Scotty Allen were my first two coaches, and they spent so much time with me. I think I was pretty raw coming out of junior still. And, uh, you know, Scotty would pull me aside and do drills with me every day at the end of practice. So um, two patient guys, um, stern guys, but you respected what they what they said and learned from them. And, and uh, guys, I, I still keep in touch with today. Best American League barn to play in. Ooh, best barn. I've heard there's some good new ones out there that I haven't been to yet. We're going to Henderson here in a couple weeks in Vegas, so that should be good. And then I heard Palm Springs is beautiful. Um, I always liked going to Austin. I think it's just the cool city. It kind of has that Nashville vibe to it. They always have a good crowd. Um, they always have a great home record. So obviously, you know, good, good fans. And uh, I always had a lot of fun going there. Well, Brett, congratulations. One of only eight men ever to lace him up for a thousand games in the American Hockey League. Uh, continued success. Uh, here's to 1100 and beyond. Thanks for joining me on the uh, DFO rundown. Hey, thanks. Appreciate having me. Brett Sutter, man, it's a great story. One of only eight men to, and uh, the previous seven are all in the American League Hockey uh, uh, Hall of, uh, the American League uh, Hall of Fame. So I think there's probably a pretty good chance uh, he will find himself in there as well. And guys, uh, I'm, they have a special place in my heart, Jay. Oh, a thousand of anything is impressive. A thousand games, a thousand practices, whatever it is. But to do it and keep grinding after you're not in the NHL and you've gotten a taste, I think that's hard to do. And it shows, as you said, a true love of the game. Yeah. So uh, really wish him and his family all the best. And, you know, just a little uh, unique storyline to see uh, how far he goes. And, uh, you know, as he said, he, he doesn't really track to see where he's at in the in the rankings or not. It'll be pretty hard to get to number one. I don't think he's got a, a 200 more games, but maybe he does. Who knows? So uh, it'll be fascinating. I'm more so curious to see. He kind of hinted at it, Frank, that, uh, you know, coaching's maybe starting to get in his blood a little bit. So it'd be well, it's somewhere. literally in his blood. We'll see if, yeah. it, if it remains there. Awesome. Frank, have a great week. We'll talk to you Friday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. 
Now here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.